Good evening, 360 family. I, it was everything I could do to not say good morning. I, I've said good morning to about a half a dozen people already tonight. Merry Christmas to you, and we're so thrilled that you are here. My name is Steve McCoy. I'm the lead pastor here at 360, and uh, what, what, a, what a, an occasion to come and celebrate the most monumental point in history. And so we welcome you here, and uh, we welcome you if you have been uh, a Christ follower or you're pursuing God or you're with someone. Uh, this is a place for everyone. And this is a place where we uh, will learn to get. I get to this point, I don't know about you, especially if you're a parent, we have two kids. I feel like, man, we made it. You, you have that feeling, we made it, because you finally get to this place, the school is out, the shopping is done. You know, for me, I was in charge of the kids on the last day of school, which was Friday. And they said, you know, uh, I, I'm in charge of breakfast, which is a little scary. And uh, they're like, hey, Dad, can we, uh, for breakfast, eat the jelly beans from last Easter? I'm like, go for it. I don't care. <laughs> Just, you know, put it in the toaster oven, melt it on some toast, and, man, we're, we're good to go. You don't, you don't have to worry about that. But it seems like in the midst of all of our chaos, by the time we get to Christmas morning, there is still room left for the spark, isn't there? There's still room left for the wonder, for that thing that we look forward to. And so when you think about the Christmas story, there are just layers and layers of people being amazed and people in wonder and people just like, wow, that is amazing. So we're going to look at those things tonight. And I hope that when you walk out of the door tonight, that no matter what you've been through in the last year, in the last week, and even today that you'll still have some room left to marvel at the God who created this entire universe. Because society, our culture, has a way of subtracting that from us. And I think part of the Christmas story is for us to come back like everyday people, like the shepherds were, and renew that and allow that to be ignited in our heart and remind us. So when we look at some of the Christmas story, as we're going to do tonight, I, uh, before we uh, came here tonight, a couple weeks ago, I threw out an email to people, and I said, hey, what were some of the biggest surprises that you've had on a Christmas morning? And uh, boy, you are very strange people. Uh, I'll just say that. Uh, and so I'm going to read some of them. We couldn't get to all of them, but uh, here's some of the surprises that you had on a Sunday morning in your lifetime. A paid cruise to Alaska. I want to be in your family. Uh, that's all I'd say to that. Uh, the gift of a guitar, a new 10-speed bike, a mini bike at the age of 10. And this one really got me the details of, I don't know how many years ago, getting a brand new bike that was pink with frilly steam streamers on the handlebars with a white banana seat and flowers on it. And finding out how long it took my parents to save up for it and how hard they had to work to make an awesome Christmas. Isn't that cool? Uh, my dad had to work on Christmas, so we all had to wake up like 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning and went out to the barn, and there was a Shetland pony. That's pretty cool. A beautiful little pup, puppy cocker spaniel and a basket underneath my tree. Never happening in our house, just to let you know. <laughs> my youngest daughter was late in, in birth, and she was born on Christmas morning. Check this one out. I wanted a doctor's kit for Christmas when I was five. Uh, 
When we were very poor, and I knew I wasn't going to get it because we could absolutely not afford it. But I had decided to be a doctor after having my tonsils out that summer. And I just really needed that kit. Well, my folks came through. I got the, the doctor's kit, and I was absolutely delighted. I know this lady. She's a doctor today. How about that? You never know. And then uh, here's one. Uh, I won't name our keyboard player tonight, but he said it. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Um, when I was a young boy, I convinced myself I saw reindeer footprints in our driveway on Christmas morning. I was totally ecstatic and remember this feeling to this very day. My parents just stared at me as I was trying to convince them. I, I, I know the feeling. You'll be all right. Uh, almost to the end. The biggest surprise I ever experienced on Christmas is now realizing I never had a biggest surprise. Thanks. Do I need therapy? That's awesome. And you know what the highest one? It was from all guys. You know what the highest one was? A BB gun. Also not happening at our house. So it reminds us of the Christmas story movie, right? And this magic moment, I brought it with me tonight, this magic moment uh, when this happened. So the question I have for you tonight is this. It's an important question. Do you still have your wow? Do you still have this thing in life that you're like, man, I really still take time to wonder, to, to marvel, because I think it's so critical to life because life can be a grind, and that's not how God designed us to be. Let's look at the Christmas story. You remember John the Baptist, his father was part of the Christmas story. And uh, he went into the temple one time, and then he, he questioned what God was doing. He became mute. He became silent. He couldn't say anything. Until that baby, born, that, that baby was born, they said, what is his name? And they thought he'd be named after his dad. And then he uttered his first words and said, his name is going to be John. In chapter 1 and verse 65 of Luke, the neighbors were filled with awe. And we're not even talking about Jesus yet. They were filled with awe. And throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about these things. Then the, when, the, when Christ was born, Mary and Joseph brought the baby to this man, Simeon, who had waited all his life. He lived in wonder. He lived in marvel. He w lived waiting for God. And then he said, this guy's name was Simeon. He said some amazing things about Jesus. Luke 2, 33, the, ch the child's father, mother, Mary, and Joseph, they marveled at what was said. So now we find ourselves with the shepherds. And I, I really, I, I'm glad there's shepherds in this story because it reminds us of you and me. We're everyday people with everyday sheep around us. And sheep are not all that, uh, not all, they don't smell that great. And this represents our life because there's a lot of things that are not really flashy. They're not really, uh, they're, they're nothing to write home about. They're everyday things and with everyday people. 
And the shepherds, of course, were called to the manger to find Christ in Luke 2, verse 17. And when they had seen him, Jesus, this baby, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. Now, when you look at this story, there's a couple things that stand out that I think are very culturally relevant, even though this story, as we know, happened a couple thousand years ago. There's something very, very important for us. I look at the people and I read about the people here who were amazed, and I'd like to make a little distinction between being amazed and really having a wonder of God, because I think when you're amazed, it wears off. So a couple days ago, being the good husband that I am, I took my wife to Star Wars. This is the latest Star Wars movie. She is an ultimate Star Wars fan. She knows all the players. She knows all the family history, all the planets, all the, you know, everybody. I have learned over, what are we now, nine movies or so, I have learned not to utter a word during the movie. Like, don't ask, hey, who's the guy in the black cape with the black that doesn't seem making like a breathe real well? Doesn't go across really well. <laughs> I don't move, I don't munch, I don't sneeze, I don't cough, I don't make any noises. It's that important to her. So I'm watching the movie and I'm reminded how overwhelmed we are with amazing things in this culture with special effects. And it concerns me because I think because of the things that we're overwhelmed with. And then I began to look at the critics of this movie. I think it got a 57 on Rotten Tomatoes. I'm like, really? Even a guy, for me, I don't even know what's going on. There was something in the movie. I won't spoil it for you. And something happened. I'm like, I was totally blown away because I thought I'd figured it out. And I was completely wrong. And I'm still confused about it. So uh, th that's my Star Wars. But even for a guy like me... I'm, the special effects are overwhelming. And I think it's almost like an addiction. We almost get addicted to the next exciting, amazing things. I know our kids are that way. I remember our, my parents telling me that they went out and played with rocks and sticks and were totally fine with that. And I, my mom consistently reminds me that when they, on Christmas morning, got an orange, an orange, that was an amazing thing, an orange. I got 24 of them laying on my countertop. And that's the way life goes. And as amazing as all these things are and the flash of internet and movies and special effects and all of these things, the danger is that we lose our wonder in the little things, in the breeze, the sunset, those things that God has created for us. We might even lose our wonder with God. We might even forget that he's so intricately and intimately involved in our life, even if you're completely unaware of it tonight. You may have come with someone, and you've, you've been a good sport, and you say, hey, I really want to come to church. It's a tradition for us. And maybe you're, you don't know God as intimately as he wants to know you, but I will tell you something, that God is wonderful. He's marvelous, and he's more intimately involved in your life than you can ever, ever imagine. And there's something that happens when you allow him to turn the light on in the inside of your life that you begin to see things 
that maybe not be special effects, because there are a lot of special effects in the Bible. But all of a sudden, you might marvel at a bird or the sound of the wind or the grass growing or a tree that's living that used to be dead or whatever those small things in life. And I think this is what has happened in our culture. Even Jesus experienced this. He went around, as we know, he's doing great miracles. In John chapter 6 and verse 30, they asked him, the people asked him, hey, what miraculous sign will you give us that we might see and believe in you? I mean, not that, you know, turning water into wine was enough and healing blind people and, and having people walk who never walk. Can you give us something else? Because, I mean, we've, we've kind of seen this. We're ready for the sequel. And I think that's what he was facing, just like we faced. But then there's something that happens with Mary. The, the shepherds showed up. They told people. They were amazed at it. But Mary did something different. And this is what I want us to take away tonight. This was the different thing. Watch. In, in, uh, in Luke chapter 2 and verse 19. But Mary treasured up all these things. And she pondered them in her heart. In other words, she just wasn't amazed. Like, wow, that was amazing. But she was like, man, I want to absorb this and I want to take it in and I want to think about it and I want to pause and I want to be attentive to it. That's wonder. That's the difference between being, having wonder and being amazed. Because when we're amazed, we just want to move on to the next thing. And I think Mary teaches us a valuable lesson at Christmas time. Don't lose the wonder. Don't lose the ponder. Don't lose the, the sidestep. I feel like I'm in danger of that, to be honest with you. I like, I like to work. Sometimes I like to work too much. And as they say, you got to stop and smell the roses because the roses are, well, they're, they're a miracle. And the more busy we get at times, the more miracles we miss. How about you? Would you share that confession with me? Would you share that reality like, wow, this is a great time for me to remind myself. Psalm 111 verse 2 says it this way, great are the works of the Lord. They are pondered by all who delight in them. So I think the first thing that we battle is special effects. But here's something a little bit more sneaky. I just finished reading a book called uh, Didn't See It Coming. Seven things you didn't expect to happen in life. And one of them happens the older you get. When you're in your 20s, you begin, you're kind of optimistic about life. Relationships are kind of new. You may not have been burned as many times. And then things begin to happen. And you begin to, you begin to see around you chronic dissatisfaction. When I watch the news these days, it just seems like it's rampant, doesn't it? That there's just so much criticism. There's so much political noise these days. There's so much uh, social media fatigue. And it's doing something on the inside because the things outside of us, they do make an impact on the inside of us. It's called cynicism. When I read the book, it hit me squarely between the eyes. I'm like, wow. Because when you get into your 30s, you recognize that life may not be quite as optimistic and idealistic, perhaps, as you were when you were in your 20s. And by that time, you might have gotten burned. And maybe you've had a relationship, and it broke, and it really hurt you. 
and then some people don't recover at that point. And maybe you've had uh, something difficult happen in your life, and the older you get, the more we accumulate these things. And if we're not careful, what happens to us is that wow factor, it grows dim like, a, like an old light bulb, and then finally it can go out. So we have to guard ourselves, and I think we have to remind ourselves that whatever you're carrying right now, whatever thing you brought in, whatever thing is super tough in, in your life, I think Mary reminds us, hey, don't let it rob you of the wonder that God has created you because this is our identity. We are, we are created to be in total wonder of God every day of our lives. I used to take our boys out to the mailbox when I could carry them. They're now 15 and 16. Pretty soon they'll be carrying me out there. We used to go to the mailbox together, and it was an event. And there wasn't a single day we didn't take, on, didn't take them to the mailbox, and I'd have them up in my arms. And we would look up in the sky, and I would say, look what God made today. I wanted to embed in them the sense that God is always doing something incredible. The writer of this book Kerry Newoff, he said, here's the antidote to cynicism. He said, an incredibly effective antidote to cynicism is curiosity. To remain curious, to remain like, hey, what's that? Even in the midst of all that we're going, I think when you look at the, 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 the shepherds and when they came, there was this like curiosity that was overtaken, like, what are we being led to? What's happening in Bethlehem? God told us, and these angels have come, and blah, blah, blah. And I know that seems spectacular, and maybe that hasn't happened in your life. It hasn't with me, with spectacular angel choirs. But God is always leading you to somewhere. And that curiosity that the shepherds had, like, what are you doing now? The question, listen, never in life is, why is this happening to me? The question is, God, where are you leading me now? What Bethlehem are you having for me to uncover? You know, if we're not careful, we ride on the coattails of somebody else's spark. Do you have people in your life It just seems like they're always, man, like there's this sense of like purpose and their sense of uh, spark and wonder and excitement. I'm looking at some people right now. In my life, man, you bring the spark. I love that. And, and, I, and I'd like to just be around you, but your spark's not my spark. You got to find your own sense of wonder. So I saw this picture of, of uh, you know, these Christmas. How would you like to live beside this guy? <laughs> He's got the spark going. So, but if you're not careful, your life could live, be like this. You just put that, you know. <laughs> I like the guy on the left, man. <laughs> Let the other guy do all the work, you know what I mean? God did not create you to live a ditto life. Find your own wonder. Find your own spark. So the shepherds in Luke 2.20 returned. Where did they return to? They returned to an everyday field with everyday sheep, with everything, every day you know what comes out of sheep, everyday life. That's where they went back to. 
I'm really happy, truly, in the story that like, wow, now they were VIPs and lived in a palace the rest of their life. They weren't. They returned to everyday life and they glorified God and they praised him. Watch for all the things. All the things. That's the secret. All the things. Not just the flash, but all the things. Last night I woke up early. I tend to do that. I heard my wife breathing. She was laying beside me just breathing in and out. And I thought, thank you, God, for the gift of my wife. Thank you for the gift of her breath. Thank you for 24 years of, of a marriage. Just that little thing was a gift. And if we're not looking for them, we'll miss it. If we're not led to Bethlehem and you don't know that God is leading you, you might miss it. They thank God for all things that they had seen and heard, which were just had been told to them. I wonder what things you would see tonight before your head hits the pillow. Not the obvious things, but the things that you'd wonder at. So I ask a second question, by the way. What do you still, what are you in awe about? What are you in wonder? So I threw this email out. Let me read you some of the answers as we close. I'm in, I'm in wonder that I can still have instant communication with the same God who created the universe. I'm ama amazed at how intricate and impressive the human body is. I'm so in awe that babies are, are being born, and when you see that, it's amazing. Rainbows that still amaze me, especially the double ones. Blue skies, leaves on trees. I'm amazed that I'm an artist. I love that one. I'm amazed at the power of love and kindness that people still show to one another even though the news would convince us otherwise. I'm amazed at answered prayer. I'm amazed at my marriage. I'm amazed at the night sky. We really see how small we are compared to the universe. I'm, I'm in wonder of the beautiful sunsets in Sarasota, particularly when the sky is that peachy color and when they have a lot of red. I'm amazed that our Christmas cactus keeps blooming every year this time. During the year, it looks pathetic <laughs> and abandoned, and all of a sudden, this incredible beauty emerges. It makes me smile. And finally, I'm amazed by the heavens, especially by the total solar eclipses. You owe it to yourself to see one. They're truly spectacular. You see the things that we're surrounded by? And in the midst of this, we're surrounded by this truth which emanates in the Christmas story. There is a God. This God loves you so deeply that in one day in the moment of history, he saw fully that we couldn't help ourselves that we were broken and we were in need of a hero, a rescuer. And in that moment in time, the Bible tells us that he sent forth his son. His name was Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. He loved us so deeply that he laid his life down on a cross to absorb 
every ounce of stupidity, every ounce of failure, every ounce of sin to absorb that on the cross for us. That if we would only reach out to him and lean into him and depend on him by faith and say, God, this is not my story that we're living, it's yours. And I want to be in wonder of that and I want to accept you, Christ, into my life. And I promise you, if you've never crossed that intersection of faith, that if you would allow Christ to come into your life, you'll never have another Christmas the same. I remember in 1982, I had grown up in the church for 20 years. I had no relationship with God, although we never missed a Sunday. And that someone said the exact same words that I just said to you. And I realized when I looked honestly, just between me and God, that I didn't have Christ in my life. I would have checked Christian on a, on a work interview, but I didn't have Christ in my life. And on May 2nd, 1982, I bowed my heart and my knee to him and said, God, I'm in wonder that you'd love a person like me. And I want to take my old life and I'd like to exchange it for your new one. And in that moment, Christ came into my life. The following Christmas Eve, I was, went back to visit my parents in the same church that I had been in for years and years and years. And we were singing Silent Night because that's about what we're about to sing. And I was surprised by myself that there were tears rolling down my eyes, my face, because I realized that I experienced wonder for the first time in my life when Christ came in. Maybe this is your opportunity to invite Jesus in your heart. Would you pray with me? Father, how grateful we are that there are things all around us that you have created and made and are making. And, and, and God, our life is so busy. There are times, God, when there's, it seems like we're sat, just saturated by chronic dissatisfaction and, and uh, criticism and busyness and noise and media and social media, God, that at times, quite frankly, we feel suffocated. But in the midst of all these things, God, you've never moved. You've never kept, you've never stopped leading us to the Bethlehems of our lives. To be curious, to be searchers, to pursuers. So we're thankful, God, that you are still very intimately involved in our lives. So now, God, on this Christmas Eve, when, a, when your word is fresh in our minds and our hearts, perhaps this is a moment, an intersection, where there's someone here tonight that would say in their heart, privately, between them and you, God, I need you. I so desperately need you. I've driven my own life and I want you in my life. I want to take my old life, God, the one I've driven, and I want to exchange it for the one that Christ can give. I don't want to depend on my good behavior or church attendance or any of that. I want to give my heart to you, God. 
and I want to depend completely on Christ and what he's done for us on the cross. Maybe that's your prayer tonight. Maybe this will be the Christmas Eve that changes the entire course of your life. If you only whisper that prayer to him in your own raw language, how much you need him, how much you want him, how much he can have your life, how much you're going to depend on his sacrifice of forgiveness and new life. Jesus, won't you come into my heart? Won't you ignite a new life because you can have the one I'm leading? Maybe that's your prayer. 2,000 years ago, Father, you gave us the gift of Jesus and you're still giving him to us. And we love you tonight and need you. We thank you for the layers and layers and layers of things to to marvel at, small things and big things. And for this reason, God, we're going to bow our knee and our heart to you right now and worship you. We love you so deeply and thank you for who you are. We pray it in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ.